You're listening to El Yoshi Did It Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the new episode of Yoshi Den. I'm back in Los Angeles and I'm here with my friend, great friend Chris Strait, um, very funny comedian from Los Angeles. And he uh, you just recorded a new album at the Comedy Magic Club, very famous club in Los Angeles. Yeah, we recorded it in the uh, lounge next door. Uh, in, in, uh, it was November 27th or 8th or thereabouts. And uh, yeah, the editing was uh, slow going, but we got it all put it together and we're up. Uh, you know, shopping it around right now. Netflix and uh, what, what's the name the of the album? It's called uh, "The Tall Guy with the Kids." Okay, and actually, where that comes from is the, how unmemorable white male comedians are. <laughs> nobody remembers. They always remember our bits. They never remember our names because there's so many of us. Like that's, that's but you, you're a funny guy. And you literally stick out because you're <laughs> six foot what? That was the only thing that stuck out. Six foot six, and so <laughs> I actually that actually happened to me. I had clubs that I work regularly. Yeah, that would say, "Yeah, we've had calls for you, but they didn't remember your name." I said, I "Said, how did you, you know they were asking for me?" I said, oh, "Let us know when the tall guy." with the kids comes back and at the time I had like two minutes about my children and my whole act but I was tall and that's, and that's all they remembered about me so so yeah I didn't have the crazy hair or the weird ethnicity you know for people to remember me so easily and Chris uh, you and I we've been knowing each other for what eight years or more probably like ten years ten years so, yeah. and um, you've been working really hard but it's, it's I, I think it's probably like within the last four or five years I started realizing your love and your love affair with boxing. Oh yeah, that's happened a lot. Uh, I mean, I, that happened, actually I probably, I started watching comedy like crazy when I was 13, 14 years sure. old. I started watching boxing like crazy when I was nine. So, and I've never left those two things alone and I, I tried them both, found I liked the actual participating of comedy better <laughs> than I did of boxing. But um, yeah, I've always remained a huge fan. I watch every fight I can, I know everything about it. And I was amazed how many other comics are in that boat. I mean, for what's been considered kind of a niche market sport now, a lot of you know comedians are big uh, fight fans too. And and our our great friend and, yeah. and one of the most spectacular stand-up comic in the world is Russell Peters. And yeah. a lot of a lot of people don't know that he is a fanatical boxing fan. Yeah. He started training as a kid with Lennox Lewis up in Toronto, Canada. Yeah, a lot of those guys, Troy Ross, and a lot of the guys that came out of Toronto gym. Yeah, Toronto gyms. Yeah. And I I know that two other prominent comics that are into boxing is Gary Shandling and Louis C.K. Yeah, Louis trained with Mickey Ward for a while, and I believe Gary has his own gym. Canelo's trained there before. Yeah. In fact, I uh, by the way, everyone, uh, we are recording on Friday the thirteenth, <laughs> September thirteenth, day before the massive yeah. one of the biggest sporting boxing event when Canelo fights uh, Mayweather tomorrow in Vegas. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk a lot about it. I want to hear you know, what you think about the fight. But, of course, um, by the time this airs, they'll all know if I sound like an idiot or if, <laughs> if I'm right. Yeah. But you have the courage to have opinion. Oh, and, uh, I'll have, you a, know, I'll have and a prediction. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and um, I usually don't... Um, it depends on my mood. You know, I will release episode depends on what I feel that week but this yeah. will be released three days from today okay that way people it's more relevant to people you know yeah they're so, still talking about it whatever happens <laughs> but Russ always said like uh, there's a huge similarity between boxing and stand-up yeah Chris Rock used to talk about it too. oh okay yeah, yeah. Chris Rock too because you know you're 
kind of in your by yourself you're finding the whole world you know at yeah, times it's and just you it's nothing else mm -hmm. it's like you know the, the ultimate of like here i am naked in front of the planet you sure. know it's, it's the same thing it's just you and your fist against that guy with a million people watching and in uh you know in stand up it's the same thing you ever see guys shadow boxing before they go on stage i see it all the time you know like that as a way to like loosen up or limber up and then you know pacing, russell does every show yeah pacing back and forth in the green room it looks just like if you've ever been you know, in, in the uh, locker rooms before a fight, it looks exactly the same. The same jumping up and down, breathing, like hurry up and get it over with kind yeah. of a thing. Let me get out there. And it's, they're very similar in that way too, that you had that thought of, you know, I'm a nervous wreck right now, but I'll be fine once I'm out there. Sure. It's the waiting that's torture. And that's the thing is they train you in comedy or your, your act, you know, you, you train yourself to be good on stage. You don't train what to do with your psychotic subconscious <laughs> in the 30 minutes before you go sure. on you know it's the same thing uh, Iceman John Scully is the famous trainer and he says you know the the walk from the dressing room to the ring will strip any man of what courage he thinks he has you know and that custom auto Tyson's trainer used to talk about that all the time is that fear is the first thing you got to take care of so you can be as good as you are and comedy is the same way you know so I'm I'm really excited to talk to you because mm. you, you know so much. You're not you're not just a casual Fan, listener. No, no. You you you've read articles about it. You yeah. you read articles for blogs. For Thirteen years I've been yeah internet writer. And you you done some you did some analysis. You you mm. talked to other boxers, but did you also do uh you were on the ring and you also did uh commentary. Yeah yeah, yeah. with Polly Malinaji and Andre Ward. They're both commentators for HBO and Showtime now. But I'm a unique trivia question because I'm the first guy they ever called fights with. <laughs> but uh, that was, you know, off. I was, uh, you know, off TV was like a private telecast, mm -hmm. so you know, no one ever got to really know about me. But yeah, I'm putting together a show. I have been for, it's been like a pet project of mine for about eight years, just getting together comics who are fight fans, and then now other boxing personalities, and you know, just you know, talking sports. They can't. You know, we can't be any more less informed than what's passing for sports journalism now, and at least we're entertaining when we talk about stuff. I, so. I definitely want to, you know, I, I'm hoping this is yeah. first of many other episodes I want to talk to you. And yeah. another guy, uh, in addition to Russell, is like Ruben Paul is a very knowledgeable yeah, Ru comic. Ruben's a, a fanatic, too. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. The, the, the last time, and I've only been a handful of times to actual big fights, you know, like world, like big world title fights. Uh, By the way, Ruben Paul is a very, very yeah. funny comedian from Los Angeles as and well. An international headliner as well. Yeah. He was on the road for... With with Russell for a long time and now he's headlining his own shows in other sure. countries and uh, has been for a long time and he and I went to actually it was uh, it was Russell's ticket he couldn't go and I, I went with Ruben to the last Andre Ward fight which we didn't think would be the last one for like 15 months yeah. for those of the people that don't know that's the second best fighter in the world and you know you want to talk about all, it being all about connections mm -hmm. there's kind of some truth to boxing and comedy being the same that way too a lot of the funniest comics you'll never hear about because they don't have the right people behind them the same thing in, in boxing. I mean, Andre Ward is a gold medalist, undefeated, second best fighter in the world behind Mayweather now since Pacquiao's kind of fallen off. And, uh, you know, his promoter is, is local and a good guy, but he doesn't have the big, you know, muscle behind him uh, promotion-wise. Sure. So people don't know about him. He's not a star, but uh, he was at that fight, and, you know, and it was uh, we sat behind his family. That's how close we were, and it was amazing to be there. But, yeah, that, but, yeah Ruben and I had always said we had to go to a fight together, so it was a pretty big one when we finally did. So... Let's let's talk about the fight. That's the the big, big one right now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, before a uh, couple of disclosure, I love sports, but boxing is one of those things. I'm I'm very illiterate. I have to yeah. say, I'm, I I don't know what it. I I need to figure out why I'm uh, from the young kid. I was more fan of team oriented sports. But I'm I'm yeah. li more I listen to you guys. Is mm -hmm. I really want to learn the language because I want to talk yeah. to you guys because it's such a fun conversation you guys have. Yeah. And a couple things. 
my favorite podcast, Bill Simmons, BS Report. Yeah. And and then um, um, I remember Louis C.K. and Bill Simmons was talking about uh, Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. And it was a wonderful conversation. But I, I really want to thank that podcast because <laughs> I was at the Comedy Magic Club one time and Gary Shandling was there. Yeah. And I, I and he, I, I didn't know he was a huge fan of mm-hmm. um, boxing. But anyway, what little I learned because I, I, I'm so not knowledgeable boxing, but just listen to Louis C.K. and Bill Simmons talk about Manny Pacquiao. I had a pretty wonderful conversation, and Gary Shanley is one of my comedic heroes, and like yeah. it, it, I was really, really, really happy uh, I was able to talk to him. We, yeah, I mean, we had enough to talk about. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't about <laughs> comedy, but boxing. Yeah. And yesterday, I was listening to another episode of Bill Simmons' podcast, uh, big fan. Um, Bill was interviewing Peter Berg. He own, he owns that gym with Gary Shandling. Oh, Peter does. I didn't know that. I didn't Peter know that. And, yeah. and they're about to really shut down because whoever was managing it wasn't doing it for him. He put a lot of money and looks yeah. like he was going to close the place. And it, uh, and I think if I remember right, he was just about to close. A, a gentleman walked in and it was Canelo. Uh, and he said, like, is it okay if I train? You know, in his broken, charming <laughs> English. Yeah, English, yeah. And Peter Berg was just shocked and like, yeah. And like next thing you know, at twenty to thirty of his entourage came. And next thing you know, the gym is a huge success. So yeah, exactly. It's it's, it's a wonderful story. Well, so. and, and, and the West Side is always kind of a question mark. I mean, like when I was a kid, there were two comedy clubs in Santa Monica, West LA. Now there's none, I guess, because the, the land is so expensive there. A business really has to take off to sure. thrive there. But it's always an area. I mean, I grew up in Culver City area. We're we're actually sitting filming this in the house I grew up in. So I yeah, I wish you know part of what stifled my development in in boxing was that there was no place to do it you know I, I had to go all the way Is to South right? Central yeah. there's no place in the west side Venice was not as nice uh, then as it is now there were a couple gyms I heard about a lot later but it wasn't like like in my, where I live I could walk to two different boxing gyms sure. in, in Hawthorne so if my kids ever wanted to do it first of all they got to dodge their mother but second of all they would have a place to go I never had a place to go and so when I see gyms make it in the west side it always makes me you know happy and yeah Canelo's one of those guys like Mayweather where he goes the cameras follow and people follow so. and, and they, uh, Peter Burke was saying they have to kick a lot of those ladies away out of there <laughs> yeah because he is a good looking yeah. You know, he's an incredible looking Actually, guy. He, he, yeah, he's the hero for gingers in so many reasons. Because people, people didn't know redheads could, you know, were, you know, uh, were Mexican, number one. They didn't, and Louis C.K. is too. People don't know that. He's half Mexican and red-haired. But, uh, yeah, and they didn't, and not a lot. There's of only two redhead male athletes I know, Canelo and uh, quarterback for Cincinnati Bengals, uh, Dalton. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is, yeah, I think red-headed men need more stars. I mean, when it ends with Ron Howard and Carrot Top, you need to <laughs> go yeah. a little bit deeper than that. But yeah, red-headed women have a lot of role models. Red-headed men didn't. And uh, yeah, so I, I have a red-headed daughter, but I, my son didn't come out that way. So. so you're an expert. Let me ask a lot of dumb questions. First. No, go for it. So historically, how big of a fight is this? You know, well, I mean, it's I, definitely I, I, the biggest fight of the year, but mm-hmm. um, you hesitate to use the terms like biggest fight of the decade or biggest fight of the century because two months later there's another biggest fight of the century. Sure. I mean, it all just depends. But this one's breaking a lot of pay-per-view records. It's supposed to be the big record. And what a lot of people don't realize is that that also comes from the undercard, too. It's not just that the fact that it's... You know, like they always say, if number one against well, number what does that mean? Well, yeah. well like, uh, when like, you say undercard, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm undercard, so dumb. Yeah, no, no, undercard means the other fights that are on there. Oh, There's I a see. fight just before it. Mm-hmm. Lucas Matisse versus Danny Garcia for the like the undisputed championship. They're, they're like the opening act. Yeah, essentially yeah. for the undisputed championship at 140 pounds, which is like it's two divisions below where this fight's taking place. Mm-hmm. But Floyd 
is comfortable at 147, which is the middle division welterweight. Okay. And the winner of this fight will be, like, th this could be almost a pay-per-view on its own, but they're putting it on the undercard. Lucas Matisse is like a monster. Everyone's saying he's a tremendous puncher. He's, he's Everyone's talking about him now. Danny Garcia is undefeated. He knocked out sure. Amir Khan. He's considered the world champion there. And so the winner of that fight is kind of the logical either next opponent for if Mayweather wins or maybe for another emerging star like Adrian Broner. But also what makes this big is that any anytime you're fighting for a vacant title, they always say the number one and number two ranked guys mm -hmm. will fight for it. And if the number two if they're not available, then one and three will fight, or one and four. So with Mayweather and Pacquiao being one and two for so many years and they never fought because of promotional differences and the testing thing and everything like that, but it's mostly promoter stuff. They never fought, and now Pacquiao's lost a couple times. He's not number two anymore. Sure. He's, he's fallen to like five or six. And uh, nobody wants to see you know, Mayweather against Marquez because that fight already happened, and Mayweather dominated him. So they kind of look for who's the next best guy. Andre Ward is too heavy. He's 168 pounds. The Klitschko brothers are heavyweights. They can't fight Mayweather. So the only guy remotely near there who's considered like number four or five in the world is Canelo. I see. And he's also the number two draw in the sport, uh, or number three behind Pacquiao and Mayweather. So it was the perfect... And they have the same promoter or promotional uh, alliance in Golden Boy, Oscar De La Hoya, who's going to be in rehab during this, by the way, and he won't, <laughs> he won't be able to be at the fight. But I'm not laughing about rehab. I'm just saying the timing is weird. Sure. But, um, no, it's, well, I am laughing about rehab, but more about that later. And, no, so it, it's, it's basically it's the next best thing to the Manny Pacquiao-Mayweather fight that we thought we were going to get all those years. Sure. Yeah, this is the next best thing because it's, the, it's a hu two huge draws fighting each other. It's not just coasting on Floyd's name. I how, mean, you know. Floyd, I mean, you're a bit of a historian. Historically, how does he rank his division, well, he, weight division? Well, weight division, he's, he's one of the great... Well, the thing is, nowadays, guys go through so many divisions. Mm -hmm. I mean, he didn't stay in any one division long enough to where you could classify him as one of the great whatevers of all time. Like, Pernell Whitaker fought in a lot of divisions, but he was one of the greatest lightweights of all time, one of the top three or four. Okay. Like Roberto Duran, same thing. One of the greatest lightweights because that's how long he stayed. Mayweather never stayed in one division more than a few years except, like, his first few years when he was a, a junior lightweight. But I'd say, overall, he, he's probably one of the top 10, top 20 of all time, I fighters see. of all time. I mean, he is that good. I mean, regardless of what happens from here on out. I mean, Roy Jones, his career has ended so terribly because of all the losses and not how he's slipping. But how dominant he was for 10 years makes him ranked high. He just didn't have a lot of competition. Mayweather has had good competition, and he's beaten all of them. You know, Has he lost before? No, only Castillo and De La Hoya got close. Uh, like, but by close, I mean there were a few people that thought the other guy won. I, I definitely didn't. But you know, they won four or five rounds against him, which most people don't come close. My understanding is Floyd's special his, his defensive skills. Yeah. Like, he's almost unhittable, correct? Yeah, that's what people say. Like, oh, why does he act so crazy? I'm like, come on. Said, a, a black American defensive distance fighter, that guy would never sell tickets in a million years if he wasn't, number one, perfect at what he does. Mm -hmm. He can't be like, a lot of, like the Mexican guys who are brawlers, they can lose and still be heroes. You know, the Irish guys and all that. that they've got a regional, they've got a cultural fan base and they're a crowd-pleasing style. Sure. If you're a defensive fighter, you're not going to be a star unless you take a wrestling attitude into the ring, which is what he did. And uh, so, yeah, he's, he's excellent My My suspicion is I always thought the guy's nice. But he played as a villain I've character. I've heard that. I've never met him, but I've heard in person that he's a super nice guy, that he donates a ton of money to people, and that he's yeah. very nice. And that, uh, you know, and that it is just part of his showmanship, because what happened to De La Hoya after he won his gold medal in 92? Everyone got excited, like, okay, that Sugar Ray Leonard star right out of the Olympics thing can still happen. They didn't realize that was Bob Arum's promotion, top rank. That's sure. Pacquiao's promotional company. And that was his looks 
and that was his story. You know, his mother had passed away, whatever. And it was also the time. It was on network TV, and you could still kind of do some network stuff. And he had that Latin fan base. Mayweather and a lot of these guys got out of the Olympics in 96 thinking the same thing would happen for them. And when he was just as dominant and it didn't happen, that developed that chip. He's like, okay, like The Rock. The Rock mm-hmm. was trying to wrestle as a hero sure. because he, his father and his grandfather were wrestlers. And they started booing him because they didn't like how sugary sweet he was. He turned into this, you know, they made him a bad guy. And I'm not enough of a wrestling guy to know all the lingo. But I mean, and he became a star at that. That's kind of what Mayweather did, you know. And, and who, uh, has this, you know, this intimidation before the match when they, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they do the weigh-in, things like that. Mm-hmm. Did that stuff start at like Muhammad Ali when he started talking a lot of shit? <laughs> yeah, here's another here's another, bo- here's another boxing and comedy comparison. Well, actually, Gorgeous George, the wrestler, is credited with first doing it. Mm-hmm. He said, "As many people will pay to watch you lose as watch you win." So you know, he gave Muhammad Ali all these tips. He said, "You know, dress in white." Is that right? Yeah, he said, "Dress in white, it'll piss people off." He said, "You know, and and make all these predictions, and then you know, and talk yourself up." He said, "No matter how they buy a ticket to see you win or see you lose, that's still money in your pocket." Sure. And um, he's the one credited with starting that. But Muhammad Ali. He wasn't the only one that would do it, but he the one that he did you know the poetry and the predictions, and he was damn good. Yes. But much like, uh, here's another boxing and comedy comparison. But like Andy Kaufman is credited for just being like he made weird funny, like he would just fool the whole audience and the whole world, and would just be quirky and weird. He wouldn't write material, but as brilliant as he was at what he did, how many losers did he spawn? How many copycats that couldn't do what he did? Now every weird guy with a tuba that went on stage and just blew into it thought he was a genius now <laughs> because yeah. of that. Muhammad Ali kind of did the same thing. Now everybody's expected to shit talk whether or not they're good at it or even good enough to back it up. So yeah, Ali did it and did it well like Andy Kaufman did in comedy, but the copycats have not been good with it. You know, I, I know there's a lot of theater that is you know, very oh, of important yeah, of, yeah. of uh, narrative of boxing, but... Mm-hmm. I sometimes got the feeling that he really got under the skin of his opponents a bit. But I think it's not so much that the trash talking, it's the like the, the confidence, which most of talking and bragging is actually hiding insecurity. Sure. But but Mayweather, like I said, he covers all bases. That's what's intimidating about it. Is that you don't get the feeling this is a guy going crazy like you know, like Danny Garcia who's fighting Lucas Matisse in the mm-hmm. in the co main event that I was just talking about. His father will just rant forever. The guy that who fought Mayweather last, Robert Greer, his father will just rant. And you get the feeling that this is coming from a guy who doesn't really know the game and he's just kinda ranting. Sure. But uh but with Mayweather it's like everything he says, you get the feeling like you know, uh, that um he lost it on Larry Merchant. He does say things he doesn't mean to, but like he covers all of his bases. Like he'll yeah, he's bragging, but he's in the gym three times a day. You know, I mean, yeah, he's he, he relies on that roll and pop defense, but like against Miguel Cotto when it started to not work, he developed this new left uppercut, right hook. His powers of adjustment are so good. You know, Mosley caught him with that right hand. He suddenly knew how to clinch and turn a guy. He never had to do that in his life, and mm-hmm. he learned how to do it instinctively. Mayweather's instincts are what's intimidating. You get the feeling that he's going to be two steps ahead of you. Whatever you do, he's got an answer for it. So do you, do you, do you think, you know, in American football teams will watch the video of, of whoever oh, yeah, they're yeah. playing that week so do the trainers sit down like like i guess freddie who oh wait freddie roach doesn't work with mayweather no no no, 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 no right. his 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 uncle, his, and, his uncle. and his father yeah. so, uh, so one of those guys will study the film whoever they're finding yeah finding the tendency of the opponent and their strength and weakness right yeah and that might play into alvarez's hands because canelo has fought guys different guys differently 
like his last fight against Austin Trout, I was amazed. I mean, I, I was really not a Canelo believer at all before that. I thought, you know, he's been matched carefully. He's not really even the big puncher that they say he is because the, the, everybody's going the distance with him or whatever. You know, like he outpointed. Mo I was more impressed with his speed and his boxing ability against Mosley and guys like that. But against Austin Trout, I mean, he made the guy. And Trout is very good. Probably the second best junior middleweight in the world behind. I mean, if you don't consider Mayweather a real junior middleweight. Uh, behind Canelo, and he won the fight close, even though they didn't score it close. Uh, but uh, he did; he made the guy miss a lot. He had very good defense. Well, what's Canelo's strength and weakness? I think he does everything very well. He does everything very well. I think the weakness has only been that he hasn't seen anything like Mayweather yet, and how will he react when he does? You know, we haven't really seen. But him he's get, quicker than yeah, Mayweather. We haven't seen right? him get hit s consistently in the same spot over and over. He's been pretty good defensively, and he's very he's durable. But, uh, you know, he figures to get kind of broken down a bit here or like there's a there's a moment in the third or fourth round mm -hmm. of every Mayweather fight. If you look at it, virtually every one, um, some of the guys that did better against him, like Judah Castillo or De La Hoya came later. Some guys that didn't do well, it came earlier. But there's a moment in like the third or fourth round where they all realize they're in the ring with something different, you know, and that they've never that they can't quite figure this out. And so I wonder what. Canelo will do when he realizes that moment is on him. You know, is he going to start following him around like some of the other guys do? Is he going to try to, you know, make him come to him? I've been hearing third hand from trainers that uh, that Floyd Mayweather Sr. Now that he's back in the corner after a long time not being there, that Mayweather is, is, is it because there's a friction between there the was father. there was a yeah. friction. But Roger Mayweather has diabetes and he can't be in the corner all the time, so the fathers kind of had to step up and take more of a role. I've been hearing that you know that his combinations are kind of back now. It's not one punch at a time. That his footwork is kind of back. You, you know, you know, yeah. in, um, when you hear in sports like baseball, they'll say if you have a great manager, he could add five to six, maybe even seven wins per year. Yeah, they could make that much of a difference. So whether it's his Freddie Roaches of the world or his uncle or dad. Yeah. And how, how much do they they make a difference? Yeah. How much do they make difference? It depends on the fighter and it depends on their relationship. I mean, there are some people like great fighters. Is it like a caddy when the Tiger Woods is playing golf? But it works for them, huh? You know how Tiger Woods. Yeah, like you can make it. It depends. Like there, there's great trainers that get you prepared. Mm -hmm. You know that they put you through the you know the work and really get you in great shape and get your your moves down in the gym. And there's guys who are brilliant in the corner. And not a lot of people are both. I mean. Emmanuel Stewart was one of the rare ones who was good at both. But uh, like Angelo Dundee, he was not a gym rat guy, but he was brilliant in the corner. He knew everything to say. So the great corner, yeah. let's say uh, one of the fighters losing, and, and, and the maybe fighters a little confused because, of course, it's hard to think when you're getting yeah. get your face bashed in. Your corner guy will probably notice some tendency of a deployment like, I'm sure they could. Yeah, the good one could make the difference, right? You have to right? notice it, but you got to know how to speak to your fighter. Like, there's mm -hmm. some corners that are chaos. Like, mm -hmm. you go in and like everybody's talking, and it's no. That's got to be like no. You, there's one voice in the corner. Mm -hmm. You got to be telling the guy exactly. You give him three things to think about, no more, no less. You got a minute, and he's supposed to be breathing for most of that minute. Sure. Give him three things to think about at most, and repeat them. You know. But again, you got to know your fighter too. Like Teddy Atlas might have ranted and gone crazy, but if he's in the ring with somebody who's falling asleep, you got to wake him up. Whereas if somebody's sort of neurotic and they're kind of are you being serious when you say falling asleep? They're not literally falling but, asleep. Okay, yeah. But not like that. Like, you know, if somebody's <laughs> getting unmotivated and they're, sure. they're sleepwalking, we call it through the motions, Teddy Atlas will like, you know, he'll throw the stool, he'll yell, he'll, he brought a phone in one time. I mean, he doesn't train fighters much anymore, but he was an animated guy. If I was a neurotic fighter, which I would have been, I would hate to have a trainer like that. It wouldn't be a good fit. You know, for you want a calm, soothing voice for guys that are more excitable. Like, uh, like you know, like, like James Tony or, or some of those 
like more character type guys, they need a Freddie Roach because he's going to notice a few things and tell you a few things and, and break it down to what's simple. You know, his eye is what you need out there. And uh, he works well with natural fighters like Tony and Pacquiao, guys that fight instinctively. You just need to kind of polish them up. And uh, so it's got to be a good, you know, fit, a good, you know, marriage in that way. And I think Mayweather has that because he's got his family training him. So it's just, you know, that's it works for them. I don't know if it would work for everybody, though. So what do you, what do you think Canelo have to do to win this fight? To win, he's got to be willing to fight stupid. Well, what does that mean? Uh, he's got to be willing to keep throwing even if he's missing. Like, essentially what, he did, what Austin Trout did to him, Trout was missing a lot, but he kept throwing, and he made it a close fight. And he made Canelo wait a long time before landing his, his counters, and it was a close, you know, fight. But uh, yeah, I think, personally, the knockdown made the difference in that fight. But, like, Castillo, he was missing a lot, but he was strong. He trusted his chin, and he just kept throwing. He said, I'm the bigger, stronger guy. I'm going to keep throwing. And he made that a close, tough fight. De La Hoya was using the jab, and he was closing the gap. But he's so used to being accurate and fast. Sure that he didn't like it when he started to miss, and so he didn't, he didn't readjust, and he started following him around, and he lost the fight. So Canelo's got to be willing to miss a lot, to get countered, and to keep throwing. Throw up, throw down, and just keep banging, his, banging him. And, you know, and, and trust, I mean, fight, still fight instinctively, but be willing to throw a lot and not look good at all times. You, know, you can't keep resetting. If, once you reset, he's gone. You know, Mayweather's gone. You've got to throw from off balance. You've got to throw from different angles. You just any place he presents an opportunity, just throw, you know. And uh, so that, that's what you kind of have. You have to prepare him more mentally than anything. And, and what does Floyd have to do to beat Canelo? Well, pretty much what I just said. I mean, he, he's got start in what he does naturally, which is like he figures out an opponent for a couple of rounds and, uh, you know, work, work the defense and the right-hand counters and all that and hang out in the pocket if you can. But really, he's got to keep changing the angles, like keep stepping to the side, keep moving. He's got to use his feet and use combinations. He found, like, left uppercut, right hook against Cotto. I mean, who, what right-handed fighter thinks of that? He figured it out because the regular thing wasn't working. He's got to figure out what works on Canelo, no matter what that is, if it's, you know, jab right hand, right hand, left hook, whatever combination works, but it's got to be more than one punch because Canelo's fast, and if you just throw one punch, he might, you know, throw two or three back and land them. So. You know, uh, American football and NBA and baseball, uh, let's be honest, when you have a superstars, they do get a little bit of preferential treatment for the oh, referee, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So in, in, in boxing, is it true? Like, let's say if they if, both... Yeah, if it's one If star, they both throw equal number of punches, yeah. and if they get equal number of hits, but nobody's go down, the decisions most likely go on the Floyd side, right? Well, no, you you got to be prepared for what makes more money. I mean, we'd love to say that the right guy wins every time, but in boxing, there's so many bad decisions. And where that comes from is, first of all, the idea of three judges is an antiquated system to me. I don't know why you need that. We can all send in things electronically in real time. Put twelve, put thirteen judges on it, and make it really definitive, you know. And uh, or you know, and pick them from the writers. You don't have to hire them from the state. Who picked those three fighters, though? I mean, three judges, though. If the if promoters, that's the problem. <laughs> you imagine the Yankees played the Dodgers in the World Series, and the Dodgers got to hire the judges. I mean, hire the umpires. I mean, that's that's crazy. So no, what what I'm worried about is that. When Floyd fights other guys that don't matter as much, that aren't big draws, you know, if he wins the decision, you give him the decision. But especially if it's going to be a lousy fight, but like this is like a big Pacquiao. Draw. Pacquiao lost to Bradley, and that was a horrible decision. Pacquiao deserved the win, but there was no, but I mean, there was no point in a rematch because everybody saw Pacquiao win. So that bad decision didn't even accomplish anything. They right. all moved on as if Pacquiao would have won the fight. But uh, if it's close at all, 
I think it's going to be a draw or Alvarez is going to get the decision if it's close at all because there's more money to be made on a rematch. And if Floyd wins the fight, there won't be a rematch. If Canelo wins the fight, if it's anything other than a knockout, there's going to be a rematch. And if it's a draw, there has to be a rematch. And there's no more money out there for either of them than each other. I mean, if Alvarez... Okay, only, so let's say, yeah. for argument's sake, yeah. we just won the best decision for the money make, most money-making situation. Yeah. What's, what's the best decision? The best decision for... Canelo winning? For Canelo winning a close decision that's not bad. So he has to, like, if he wins five rounds out of 12 and he gets the decision seven rounds out of 12, he'll go, oh, that was a lousy decision. But they'll go, but it wasn't the worst one I've ever seen, and we'll just have a rematch. Or a draw. A draw right. is the best one, actually. Because in a draw, they both stay undefeated. Before uh, the rematch, you still you get to say that they're still undefeated. So, and a draw, people get away with any like like. I mean, it could be a eight rounds to four win. It could be a clear cut win, but you just do two rounds differently, and it's a draw. So you're like other oh, judges go, oh, I thought it was you know whatever. And, and so I I don't understand why why there's yeah. no punishment for judges that have a bad decision. So why would they stop? You know. <sighs> Other than being shamed, but they all get hired the very next week because it's the promoters that put that. I, I've talked to several people, trainers, who said they've been given envelopes to hand to judges. Okay, let me let me ask you this because uh, some some of our listeners are overseas, so maybe this doesn't make yeah. any sense. But in, in the American legal system, no, 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 in Germany it happens too. <laughs> they they bribe judges all the time. Yeah, in the normal legal system is the, the both defendant and uh, uh, prosecutor. Attorneys, yeah. they'll make decisions of who they will pick for juror, right? Yeah, there was exactly. a lot of questions, things like that. Mm -hmm. So when you have three judges, do both promoters have yeah. to agree? There is some back and forth on that, but like mostly about the referee more than judges. But yeah, if there's somebody, but for the most part, usually the commission, if they're in a promoter's pocket, they'll stand firm. Like there's been times where like, how could you appoint that guy? He's an idiot. He just did this. And sometimes if the if the if the money man makes the complaint, which in this case is both of them, mm -hmm. then they'll be gone. But I haven't heard of anybody having problems with judges or referees that are there. But yeah, in Las Vegas, especially a big gambling town, the odds start swinging. You never know who's getting to the judges. Wait, wait, so somebody's paying those guys? Oh, paying them off? I'm sure it happens all the time. Yeah, but in, in this, in this, especially <laughs> but in this kind they, of a Do you even listen to Joe? Like, you're, you're that comfortable with the idea, like... Oh yeah, listen it's to my so voice. Dirty. No, I'm just so used to it. I'm just used to it because no, it's a corrupt sport. And I mean, I, mean, I, I, I know so little of it, but like, I, you're I not the, the first act. one telling me that. I'm just yeah. like, why doesn't politician get involved and do something? They try, but the politicians are bought off by guys like, well, Don King back in the day, but or Bob Arum. They, they don't want any, they don't want any uh, messing with their control. So they get, you know, that they they make sure that it's kind of like lobbying. You're not technically doing anything illegal. You're just making it very well known. Hey, sure. Look, you know, I'm not bribing you or blackmailing you, and I'm not buying you off. I'm not doing anything illegal, but I'm letting you know, Mr. Judge, that I'm hiring you for this fight. And guys who go my fighter's way get hired again. Guys who don't, don't. I'm Paulie Malinaji was on my show, said he was concerned about one judge in his title fight in Ukraine, one in particular that seemed to be judging all that guy's fights. And then he gets to the fight, he sees them hugging. The, the promoter and that judge, they, they hug at another fight later. And, and sure enough, that was the judge that had him losing a fight he was clearly winning. And he won by knockout, thankfully. But um, so it happens all the time. You know, managers and judges and people are in each other's pockets because they're, it could be just as innocent Wait, so how do, how does a friend a, of theirs. How does a one become one, the, one of the three judges? Like, did they have to be a boxer? boxer no, no you, that's, that's the biggest flaw, too, is no, you don't. <laughs> but you have to, I think you just work your way up through the ranks, like you're an amateur judge. And they, I've never actually pursued it, so I don't know what happens. But wow. I know they have training for them.
them. They try to make them good, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, especially because on the lower end fights when nobody's paying it off or it doesn't matter, <laughs> you want them to be good. You don't want them turning in weird results. But, uh, you know, and boxing is very subjective. Sometimes it's a bad decision because it's just, you Unless know, you see a knockout. A bad well, I mean, sometimes it's a bad decision because you're if, if both guys look like they're doing what they want to do but what they want to do isn't a ton you know like like one guy could be active but he's missing mostly there could be landing but he's not throwing enough it, sometimes it comes down to what you like like when Malinaji fought Broner he was landing more punches but his punches are softer Broner's punches made a lot more noise so it depended you know which did you go for and which round so yeah sometimes it's subjective and you don't think there's anything sinister up but I guarantee you it, Mayweather has to win this fight nine rounds to three or wider, or he won't get the decision. I mean, it'll be a draw, or they'll steal it and give it to Canelo. Okay, so let's... How many... So, Bob Arum... No, th this one... Bob Arum has nothing to do with this fight. This is all Golden Boy. Um, Richard Schaefer... Oscar, Schaef Oscar De La Hoya's company, Richard Schaefer, is the boss. Yeah. Okay, and he's representing... Both fighters. What? Yeah, well, no, Mayweather has his own promotional company, but he works in conjunction with Golden Boy. Alvarez is just a Golden Boy guy. So in reality, it probably behooves them to see Alvarez get the decision. So Oscar De La Hoya can lose. No, because can't, they can't because lose. Because one of his clients is going to be big, whatever. And not only that, I mean, Alvarez, if he doesn't get humiliated, he's still, like, like I say, there's more, there's more money to be made from it being a draw or Alvarez winning. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that, uh, in fact, a draw more than anything else. But the truth is that because Alvarez has that look, he's very young. He's only 23. He's a and he's an aggressive fighter who's excited, who more exciting. Superhero. And he's I'm learned, a superstar. Yeah, I'm and he's learning English, so it's about to cross over. Um, yeah, because of that, he could lose and still be a star and make a ton of money. I mean, they don't have to keep him undefeated forever. But uh, it, it, I'm just. But what, what what people really want and what he won is even if he lose, if he give a heroic performance, effort, right? yeah, like or if, he, if they beat the shit out of each yeah, other, yeah, and it's a close, tough fight or something like that, then yeah, he'll he'll become more of a hero. Mayweather can't just really. Well, yeah, he can just win and it'll still be impressive. But he, he needs to win like wide. He needs to make. Alvarez look ordinary. You know, he, I see. If he does that, like if he brings back the combinations, like any adjust, like he did against Cotto, and he, maybe he loses a few rounds, comes back and kind of, you know, if, if he can, you know, mess up his eye and hurt him a little bit, then it's like all the Mayweather haters kind of have to shut their mouths. Like, all right, this guy moved up a division and took him on in his prime and beat him up. You know, they'll still complain that he made Alvarez come down two pounds, but they, they agreed to it. You know, that's not his fault. So. so God, I have so many questions. <laughs> I know. Like you said, it's a lot to jump into halfway, but I feel like every sport is that way. Yeah. Like, like baseball, it, it, I'm but, trying but, to get but, back into. I took my daughter to her first Dodger game, and I hadn't been to a Dodger game in 14 years, and I hadn't followed intently in probably 20 years. And uh, then and they were actually winning, they're starting right to win right sure. after we start looking. They start winning. And um, so now they're doing great. And I, I took, we took her to th like two, three more games. And now I watch like almost every night. I try, I try to watch some of the Dodger games, some of the Angel game too. But, you know, getting back into it, it's like it takes a while. It takes a few games before you, before you sure. start getting all the players memorized and who they are. With boxing, there are so many levels. Like, everybody knows Mayweather and Pacquiao. Some of the, the casual sports fans know the Klitschko brothers and, and that kind of stuff. But uh, most of the people don't really, you know, they're still back on Tyson and De La Hoya. They don't, they, like, people who aren't <clears throat> sports fans don't know anybody because there aren't as many crossover stars. Um, you know, at least not nationally. Well, I, I know this fight is big because yeah. even casual listener, even some of the female mm -hmm. friends were talking about it. So that's when yeah. I know. Oh, no, oh, you look on Facebook, people who aren't <laughs> even sports people are like, where are you watching the fight? Like, it's a foregone conclusion. Everybody's going to be somewhere watching this fight <laughs> at some point. 
So, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think a lot of uh, tons of ladies are watching him because they like Canelo. He's like a Canelo, good-looking yeah. kid. No, and and, they'll, and and ladies, if you're listening and you're watching for Canelo, watch the whole card. You'll fall in love with Lucas Matisse too, the Argentine guy. <laughs> so no. yeah, the girls like him too. But uh, yeah, but, no, what, what, but what do you think? Uh, this is what Russell Peters takes me. He basically thinks it's going to be pretty uninvent, uneventful fight. I think he said the same thing to me too. And, and, and he thinks. Floyd Weather's going to win by decision. If Mayweather has it all his own way from round one to round 12, yes, it's not going to be scintillating because he won't be getting hit and he'll be hitting back sparingly. You know, he'll like make him miss three punches, pop him once, roll out the crowd. Everyone will see that he clearly won that exchange and he'll do that for 12 rounds. But I think Alvarez is good enough to make him not do that. I think he's good enough to land that right hand like the way Mosley did. I think he's good enough to use so that he jab. So he has to be aggressive. Yeah, well, like Zab Judah was more of an exciting Mayweather fight because he won two or three of the first four rounds. And then Mayweather had to adjust and turn it on, and Judah kept trying new things. So even though it wasn't working, later on it was more intriguing because you know he'd banked a few early rounds, so if he turned it around and could win the 11th or 12th, maybe get a flash knockdown, maybe he's in there to win the decision. I think Alvarez will make it exciting from that angle. Like, he'll... He'll capitalize on Mayweather feeling him out, and he'll win like three or four, not maybe not that much, of the first few rounds before Mayweather takes over. But yeah, I, I kind of share that prediction halfway. I mean, ultimately, if you, if you force me to it, I would think that after the first six rounds, it'll be even. The next six rounds, Mayweather will take over. You know, and maybe even puff up his eye or bloody his nose or slow, slow him down and stagger him a little bit even. I wouldn't be surprised. But uh, it should be if it goes the way I'm thinking it should go. Uh, how old is uh, Floyd? 36, 37? 37, yeah. He's, he's my age. How many more years does he have, you think? Well, he's on a six fights and out uh, thing with Showtime. But um, so he's, he's already had one fight. of them. Okay. And this is the second one. Then there's so supposed to be four more. more. But he needs to start fighting more often because he can't stay around until he's 40 just for that. I mean, I, and then he'd be 49 and 0, and that, which is kind of like Marciano's mythical <laughs> number. Like nobody's, nobody at the championship level has really gone past it. But, uh, you know, I'd like to see him go all the way to 50 and 0 if he could just to stop on that even number. But uh, no, but I mean, right now there's, there's not a ton more people out there for him, and he fights once or twice a year. Uh, he'll have to up. So the this, is, this is not really his fault. It's he doesn't have a quality opponent. No, he does, but he he fights them as they come up. But yeah, the highest quality opponents that he had, the only two that he didn't get in the ring with that I wish he would have were Costa Zhu when he was the 140 pound champion. That fight was never made. Uh, but a lot of that wasn't Floyd's fault. Zhu was injured for almost two years and sure. couldn't fight. Then he lost to Ricky Hatton, and Mayweather did fight Hatton and knocked him out. Uh, the other one was um, was Manny Pacquiao. But again, I don't. 100% blame him because there was a lot of other things like about testing and uh, and about uh, you know Wait, so let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about but, but your prediction is Floyd's going to win by decision yeah but officially I, I think Floyd 8-4 to four decision uh, maybe it'll be scored a little closer maybe I, you know if it is any closer than that I predicted a draw <laughs> but no but I, I think Mayweather should be better and should win a decision even though he's fighting younger quicker fighter yeah who has you know the promoters a little bit more in his pocket than his own but uh, the truth is, Mayweather is a big draw no matter what happens. But if you look at what the aftermath... Because he, because he cultivated this bad guy character, exactly. right? Yeah. But if you look at the aftermath of this fight, Mayweather knows Latinos sell tickets. That's mm -hmm. who he wants to fight. And Pacquiao, obviously, with the Filipino thing, and Amir Khan with the Indian thing. I think what he, uh, if Amir Khan beats Devin Alexander in December, then no question, I think Mayweather is going to go to England like he said he was going to and probably fight Amir Khan. Is that right? Yeah, that's what he wants to do. That, that, but that's the only thing left kind of to do for him. Uh, if Matisse beats Garcia, or the winner of Garcia-Matisse fights his little, like Mayweather's little brother, he calls him, Adrian Broner, and if he gets that upset win, which I think Broner probably would win, but 
if he beats him, then by the end of the year, he'll call that guy up to welterweight and fight him. So there are fights for Mayweather. There's money to be made if there's not a rematch. Uh, so what, what does Mayweather have to do to become like top five greatest fighter next Actually, three or four years? Stay the course, really. I mean, like if, what he, do, if he closes out his career fighting guys like, um, like if Austin Trout gets himself back in and he fights, like if he fights guys like Khan, Matisse, he probably won't fight Broner because they're like the same style. And they're similar, you know, but if, if he fights him, if they build up a few more stars and he beats them... Um, you know, maybe if, and it depends on who controls things at middleweight. I mean, he's too small to be middleweight, but if he moves up and, and like if Gennady Golovkin keeps tearing everybody up at middleweight and Mayweather goes up and beats him, I mean, if he closes out his career with something huge like that and beats a couple of those other names, you really can't argue. There's really kind of nobody else there. There's nobody that you can say. I mean, it's a different era when, sure. when Sugar Ray Robinson and Ali were fighting. You could still say they were better, even maybe Joe Lewis, but those guys all had hiccups along the way that were a lot bigger than Mayweather's. I mean, Mayweather's, you know, never been dropped other than one badly called knockdown. Um, you know, like, you know, Ali was dropped a few times. He had a close decision that mm -hmm. could have gone the other way. Um, you know, Robinson lost to Lamont on the way up and he lost a bunch on, on, on the way down. So you look at like career perfection. Marciano was fought a lot of weak opposition and retired quickly. So there's not too many guys that, that got to the top. I mean, he was a world champion in 98. I mean, he was fighter of the year in 98 and 2007. So a nine-year gap, that's a record right there. So when you look at the whole career start to finish and having never had a hiccup, I mean, his loss in the, in the bronze medal match was a bad decision. So even his last amateur loss so he's never been knocked was a screw right? job. No, he's never been knocked out or down legitimately. Wow. So um, that's the that's thing. saying something about yeah, the man. I mean, if I were him, I would step up the activity and get those six fights over as quickly as possible mm -hmm. and just take on who's there now because you don't want them building too many new stars out of this last Olympics. But, uh, yeah, no, if he can, you know, he'll probably do some international stuff. Like if, if Murata out of Japan, he won the gold medal, and boxing is shifting to the east now. China and Japan are going to be where it's at soon. If he ends up in a fight there, like, you know, um, of course, top rank kind of has that locked up and he won't do business with Bob Arum, but... If like that, maybe that guy, if Murata wins the belt at middleweight, then maybe that's who he fights there to make you know, big money in Japan or something. He might just do some more international stuff, England, you know, China. Now, who, who, who's some of the biggest promoters out there? The two biggest right now in our country are Top Rank, which is Bob Arum, and Golden Boy, which is De La Hoya. Wait, so what happened to uh, Mr. Silverhead? Don, Don King has slipped. Yeah, he's, he's, he's down to zero world champions that he's got a handful of well, contenders. How, how did this happen? Because wasn't he a player he 10 years ago? Yeah, but I mean, by, uh, the more time went on, the less his fighters were fighting. So the word got out, you know, Don might leave you for two years not fighting anybody. If you're a world champion, there were world champions that went idle for two years. Like not fighting at all. Because uh, and another promoter friend of mine, Steve Bash, had a few fighters he was managing that were Don King fighters. He said, "Yeah, if Don can't make money, you ain't fighting." And Don didn't usually share the pot with other American promoters. European promoters would bring him in, uh, like I as see. part of it. But he started loosening up on that now, and he does a lot of co-promotions, and he does some smaller shows in Florida and occasionally in Vegas. But for the most part, you know, he's just kind of he never took on more partners, and he got older and just was doing less. So, but he's an old-fashioned promoter, which I like to see. You know, he actually goes out and hustles and promotes the event. He doesn't just do a site booking, which is what a lot of but guys Chris, tell me, what's, what's his reputation, though? Because some of it doesn't sound great. Well, I no, no. It, it was horrible during his heyday. You know, that he was like just, just this gangster in, in a businessman's clothes. You know, that he would screw guys out of money, that he would, you know, uh, use mafia scare tactics. Did he somebody to death? Uh, well, when he was a lot younger. Yeah. yeah. Back before he even was a boxing promoter, he killed two people. But, oh uh, yeah. No, and there have been more than a few fighters that were afraid. I remember one of the guy owed him money, and the guy kept saying, I will pay you back or something while 
down with stumping him to death. Yeah, right. yeah, I, that, I'm sure that probably did happen. But uh, no, so, he, supposedly, he, Tom, I, please don't kill me. Yeah, but, no, yeah. um, so, no, and no, I'm sure that evil in him got translated. Uh, it doesn't fully go away, but whatever he did with it was less. But no, but from what I've heard, he's like the kinder, gentler Don King that has emerged in recent years. Still a talker, but like he lets people out of contracts now when sure. they expire. He doesn't fight for it. You know, I mean, I'm sure he's still a shyster, still talking it up. But no, he's not as big as he once. He's definitely gotten so Bob Arum and who's uh, Oscar De La Hoya. Yeah, they're the two big ones now. There's a couple big ones in uh, Germany that are kind of making their name over here now. K2 Promotions has the Klitschko brothers and Golovkin, who's the like top middleweight contender right now. And uh, who, do, who does Bob? So Bob Arum has Pacquiao. So he's, he's uh, a promoter and is he a manager? No, Bob Arum's just a promoter. Huh. Nobody, nobody at the high level is really both. I see. I mean, Don King used to have Carl King, his son, manage his fighters, but that was just a clever way to get even less money in their pockets. Well, so, why is yeah. Bob, uh, you know, uh, like I said, I'm not familiar with boxing, but. I hear his name so many times in most of the boxing things, you know, matches. Bob Arum. Yeah. What makes him so good? What's his background? Well, he's been around since Don King. The 70s is when he came out. He was a lawyer. I see. And, uh, and he had top-ranked boxing, ESPN shows for about a decade uh, back in the 80s. Um, and uh, he's still, you know, and he, he's still out there. He's taken on other people, Todd DeBuff and other people that, that help him out. And so they've kind of kept his, you know, they, they do the small shows, the medium and the big shows. They've got a good deal with, you know, HBO and some of their <clears> networks. Um, no, they've kept, and he cultivated new stars. I mean, he really made De La Hoya and Mayweather where they are. I mean, he helped them get there. Uh, they took it to the next level on their own, though. He, he doesn't get to take full credit. But, yeah, that's kind of where his anger comes from. He's like, I made these guys stars, now they're competing against me. But he's from that old school thing where he gets his fighters kind of in debt to them and gets them all these expenses so they can't retire. I mean, you, you think Pacquiao still wants to fight? I mean, I'm just guessing here as a fan, but I think he'd love to retire now. But I think that... Uh, well, I, he's a senator or a politician. Yeah, I, I, I think Aram's got him on the hook and got him on this under contract or something. I mean, he's, these old school promoters, you're surprised they're still doing it in their 80s. I mean, Aram's like 82 and so is Don King or something like that. Wow. But yeah, they still kind of have that fighters are indentured servants attitude. <laughs> and that was something that I heard that Golden Boy didn't have as much of. But uh, they're still a huge company and they still get... You know, decisions to go so their way. So, if you're talking 10, 15, 20 years down the road, most likely Oscar De La Hoya might be the biggest he player. He will own the whole thing. Yeah, he owns Ring Magazine. But again, if you own too much, it people don't st- quit trusting you. You know, mm-hmm. like Dana White, he might own mixed martial arts, but you know, people are going to tire of the monopoly very soon. You know, and, and it's just a matter of somebody being big enough to compete, and it's going to happen eventually. And he'll have to share the pot or the pie or something like that. And with boxing, it's the opposite. It's it's coming from everybody trying to, you know, pyramid into one thing. But, uh, you know, as long as... The, but Golden Boy opens its doors to other promoters. It does a lot of shows with others. Top Rank doesn't like to share the pie at all. The top rank is Bob... Bob yeah. Arum. Okay. He, he does not like to share... Car- Very rarely will you see a Top Rank co-promotion with another promoter. He doesn't play nice with others. Golden Boy seems to play nice with others. I don't know what their monetary deal is with them, but they, you definitely see other fighters' fighters on those shows. Top Rank is finally starting to open up. They've got Steve Bash, a promoter friend of mine, their Unamas cards that are top rank and bash boxing cards. So it's good to see that because um, the reputation of Aaron was that he did, like I said, he doesn't play nice with others. So it's nice to see him opening that up a little bit. You know, at least wildlife on me. Oh, there we go. <laughs> um, okay, so explain to me. Uh, we, we, oh, it's become like a boxing tutorial. I know. I, oh, yeah. You get me started, I gotta yeah, yeah. stop. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I. I 
maybe I should have warned beginning of the podcast. No, you did. We, maybe, we maybe, maybe we have uh, female listeners, and I hope. And I hope I, I'm a big supporter of women learning more about sports because I think knowing sports will help you in your business surrounding. I took and, my and daughter I, I, to yeah an amateur fight. I had her see it. Well, I mean, to decide I, I think she that's doesn't a great, like it, great thing but to I do. want I want her to have the opportunity. It's a, it's the greatest workout for your body. I sure. Mean, Punching is the only upper body equivalent to running, really, that I've ever found. So for, you know, that anaerobic exercise gets you, it it took weight off me like nothing ever has. You know, I just can't do it anymore. (laughs) So explain this to me because um, for those of you who don't know, Manny Pacquiao is a Filipino fighter. Yeah, I think pretty much everybody should know that much. (laughs) Unbelievable fighter, God-fearing person. He is a politician in the Philippines. Very nice guy who happened to... um, yeah, one of the great boxer of time, and yeah. and uh, one other thing, I talked to Gary Shanley because there's something I I, I overheard. I think Bill Simmons and uh, Louis C.K. when he lost the last fight, yeah. and, and and it seemed apparent to me he didn't knock the guy out because I really feel and and I agree with Bill Simmons and Louis C.K. that he he's such a nice guy. He didn't want to knock the guy out when he could have. Yeah, and and decision got him. You know, well, I think. Lost. So with, oh, with Bradley, there was yeah. Bradley, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he lost, but here's Manny Pacquiao, great fighter, and Floyd Mayweather. I think he's a closet nice guy, just pretend to be a bad guy. But <laughs> I, I, so in the last two, three, four years, all I've heard was they're waiting for this Super Bowl boxing, which is these two great fighters fight each other. And I thought if you're just in, if you're just in it for money, mm-hmm. it sounds like that would have been the fight of you know last twenty years or whatever it is. In terms of money making the ability of that, yeah. so why why didn't it happen? I don't understand. Well, again, it's a combination of many factors, and I'm not on the inside of it. But I mean, the the, the publicly known things, which is all I can comment, uh, all I know about, is that uh, you know. Mayweather had inside information that Pacquiao was juicing, taking steroids. Personally, I think they're all doing a little bit of something, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it, fine. I mean, if they're all doing it, then it's fair. But uh, no, but I mean, I don't know whether he did or not. Did you take Marquez, who fought um, uh, Manny? That was the joke. The, the joke was, you know, that Marquez and Pacquiao fought three very close, even fights, all of which could have gone either way. The first was a draw. The second two were Pacquiao close wins. And I had Pacquiao winning all three fights by one point, but some people who were... I, I think Marquez... I grew up watching Marquez when he was on his way up uh, at the forum over My here. My friend Joey thought he was on steroids. Yeah, well, yeah, and that was the joke, was that Marquez finally did enough juice to catch up to Pacquiao. Yeah. But I think Pacquiao lost that fight because of what you just mentioned with Bradley. I think he didn't want to push the issue and finish off some of these guys. He was he wanted to finish Mosley, but Mosley was too good to, to be finished if he didn't open up. Sure. And that frustrated Pacquiao. So they took on a guy in Bradley they thought he could knock out, but then Pacquiao kind of had undergone this religious conversion and he didn't seem to want to hurt the guy anymore so maybe maybe and he lost that decision even though he won the fight cleanly and i think against marquez when he got knocked down in the third round that plus the knowledge that the decision may not go his way i think that changed his fight plan pacquiao suddenly was the reckless pacquiao from six seven years ago that he hadn't been in a long time roach had gotten him defensively more sound he started becoming more reckless and it worked after he got up he won the next two and a half rounds he knocked Marquez down, and he broke his nose, it looked like, or at least had it bloody, and was looking like he was on his way to finishing him off. In fact, he was, he was trying to get one last shot in before the round was over. I think that fight keeps going. I, Marquez, good defensively, probably wouldn't have quit, but by about the ninth round with his eyes puffing, I think they would have stopped the fight. I see. But, he, but by coming in recklessly like he used to, that big reach, he drops his left when he throws that right hook. Or that's when to. he got knocked out. He started out. doing it again. Marquez sidestepped through that right and knocked him cold. And bear in mind, Pacquiao had never been stopped on a headshot before. I mean, he'd been stopped with body When punches. I saw that, I was just yeah. like stunned. Jacob Seroff, another funny comic who's a huge boxing nut, he was jumping up and down. He was like, oh, shit. 
oh shit. <laughs> I don't know if we can swear on this, but yeah. No, you can fuck yeah, whatever you want to say. said, oh shit, oh shit. Is he dead? Is he fucking dead? No, I, it I, looked I, like I, it at like, first. Like a minute, I thought he was dead. Yeah, yeah I mean, it looked like one. And, and by the way, that's incredibly rare. A one punch knockout death. That I've never heard of that <laughs> happening. People die from sustained beatings, usually not one shot. Or if they do one shot, they don't die from it right then. It, it takes a while. But uh, no, uh, it's just what happens is like the same thing that happens to a computer that went up during a power outage. It's just a hard shut off. I see. And then it takes a while for the computer, your brain, to reboot. That's why they were still able to interview him like five minutes later. You know, even though he was kind of out of it, he, he still could be interviewed. So, so there there was suspicion of Manny supposedly cheating. Suspicion of that plus the money thing. First, it was going to be fifty fifty. You know, well, the first time they were talking about it was 50-50. Then Pacquiao said, no, I'm a bigger star now. I want more. Or, or somebody said that. I don't think he said that. Then Mayweather was like, no, I'm still the king of boxing. I want. It was a 70-30. Then it was a 60-40. Then we'll go 50-50, but take the test. He's like, I'll take the test, but not the day of. Because no, you got to take it the day of. So they were fighting over money and the test back and forth. And then there was a meeting. This was, I think, in Well, who was against taking a test of day of? Pacquiao was... His claim was his last loss before this was a close decision to uh, uh, Eric Morales, who he later knocked out twice. And he said he got his blood drawn the day of the fight. And he said he blamed that for being low of energy. Even though doctors say that shouldn't have made a difference, right. he psychologically felt like that drained him. Whereas the Mayweather team says, no, that's an excuse. He's taking something that dissolves in under 24 hours, and he doesn't want to get busted with it. And so that, that fight went back and forth. They were like, take the test the day of. He's like, I'll take it. Well, what what, what do you make of it? Personally, I don't know. I, I don't know who to believe. But uh, I don't know. My gut instinct says that uh, the Mayweather, that, uh, that, that my gut in instinct is that Pacquiao really was probably taking something. But that is May that right? But that Mayweather didn't want the fight. I don't think Mayweather wanted the fight. I think it was a fight he could win. And win well, I think. I think he would have landed good shots. I think he would have outpointed him. But I think he would have gotten caught in that fight, maybe bloodied. It wasn't a fight where he could dictate the pace the whole time. And I think he was going to say, I'll take the fight if everything else is perfect. And everything else wasn't perfect in the negotiation, so he didn't take the fight. So you... I mean, I believe that, too. Yeah. Like, if, if the fight ever had... And believe me, what do I know about boxing? But I thought... If those two fought, I still thought Mayweather will win. Just style-wise, because like I said, it's hard to hit that Pacquiao guy. Pacquiao comes in, and when he, he finishes the combo with the right hook, he leaves his left hand down. Mayweather would have just rolled to the right and shot that straight right hand down the southpaw stance all night. Pretty much what you saw, Mayweather-Guerrero, mm -hmm. would have been Mayweather-Pacquiao. Difference is, Guerrero probably has a little bit better chin than Pacquiao, and Pacquiao probably has a better punch. So it probably would have been exciting the first few rounds than that moment, that moment I talked about, that third or fourth round where you figure out what you're in the ring with is something different than you've ever seen before. I don't think Pacquiao would have recovered from that. And I think that Mayweather would have won wait, the wait, decision. Wait. You, you know, in, in uh, American <coughs> football, um, whenever you have a new coach, they will do different schemes and different plays that yeah, the defense yeah. is familiar with. You mean to tell me in boxing, sometimes they have moves that they will hide? They're just like... A different level of speed and a different mm -hmm. level of power. There I see. Matisse, the guy I talked about, was fighting on, on the undercard against Danny Garcia. Him, another guy, Gennady Golovkin, uh, Kelly Pavlik when he was middleweight champion. There's some of those guys you see a reaction when they hit their opponent with power. Like, wow, I've never seen anything. That, 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 that's different. His power is different. I've never felt anything like that. Mosley said he felt it from Pacquiao. That, that power is different than anything he'd ever felt before. And it changes your, your game plan entirely. It throws you off. The same thing can happen with speed and reflexes. Roy Jones used to do it to every opponent. Like, he'd throw a double hook faster than most guys throw a jab, and within the second or third round, uh, Max Kellerman called it, he makes a deal. Like, he lets these guys know, because he didn't really have a ton of killer instinct either, unless a guy would stay in his face. But Jones would, like, say, look, 
I'm going to show you in the first few rounds that you don't belong in here with me. But if you don't press the attack and you don't get in my face, I'll let you coast and last a while. You know, and that's kind of what almost what Mayweather does. It's like, look, if you don't aggravate me, I'll pop you once and step aside. But if you stay in my face, I'm going to counter you all day long. You know? I see. And that's kind, of the, that's kind of that moment. They have a moment like, you know, wow, that was faster than I've ever seen. I've thrown everything from every angle and I can't catch this guy. I mean, uh, Victor Ortiz came apart, headbutted him, you know, came apart entirely mentally when that happened. So, um, you know, Zab Judah too, he, you know, he, uh, hit him low twice. I mean, guys react differently to that. Most fighters just kind of you know, keep going, but you can see the look on their face change. Like, this well, is a different well, thing. What's the weight division for Floyd that he's fighting tomorrow? They're fighting a junior middleweight tomorrow, but it's and 152. That, it's under by two pounds. They, and, and when was the last time heavyweight's been popular, like this level? When Americans were fairly good at it, I think, well, Lennox Lewis was the last popular heavyweight, and he was British, but he fought here a lot. Uh, then the Klitschko brothers were fighting here, but they kind of had a couple losses here, and they were still learning. Then when they got really good and got dominant, uh, they took the show back to Germany because they're not very exciting. They're, they dominate, but it's not very exciting. It, it's not exciting because why? Because they don't they're have so personality? No, no, no. They've got great personalities. They've got PhDs. Even in English, which they both don't speak fantastically, they <clears> speak it, but the, their, their charisma comes off. You know, they don't, like, like Pacquiao, he doesn't say or do anything exciting, but he's got that charisma that makes him a he's star. A, you know, when he talks, he's a very sweet guy. Yeah, exactly. He's not bra braggadocio like like. Like yeah, he's not the one to sit and there. And it's actually, it's kind of sad that black athletes aren't really allowed to be that. I mean, Tiger Woods is barely black, but I mean, you know, but I mean, he was kind of allowed to be. But for the most part, our culture doesn't really allow a black athlete to not be Ali, you know, since him. He put so much shame in everybody that, that, that like, you know, if a guy is soft-spoken, a nice, sweet guy, I mean, Vernon Forrest, you know, he was murdered tragically, but he was, you know, wasn't <coughs> like he was the super soft-spoken guy, but he was a nice guy, and it came through in the interviews. I mean, that guy was exciting. He had good Vernon skills. Forrest, yeah, it, it, it took him it, it, eight uh, years. Yeah. That's one person I got to know really well uh, through Russell. And yeah. Russell was a, Peters was a great friend of his. Yeah. And I guess it's been five years since he got murdered. I was, four, four, I was just, a little, little over four, yeah. yeah. I, I was in Atlanta. Arturo right? Gatti got killed the same week, because I remember it. It was a crazy week. You know? I, I was in Atlanta a couple of weeks back, and the whole time I was thinking about him. And uh, I, I just want, sometimes wonder... I was in the airport in Kansas City, and Adam Hunter texted me that I was, I was you know, because I, I, I saw Adam Hunter is a very, very funny comic. Yeah, yeah, Adam Hunter, very funny comic, and another boxing and mixed martial arts fan as well. It works in that field. Yeah, and I saw something welterweight champion killed, and I was like, what the hell? And I couldn't see it was too far away in the airport, so I, I texted Adam. So I, so, I sometimes wonder, like, I think he would have become a he would have been bigger star if he talked a lot of shit and then, yeah. and if he was anti-social and he yeah. just, the irony because he was such a sweet guy yeah. family guy and when well, he was murdered Andre Ward who I just mentioned I mean God like I, I'm not I, I'm an agnostic I don't, I don't believe in God but I'm saying a lot of these but he's very religious I mean he has a great story Andre Ward mm -hmm. he's a biracial kid from Oakland raised by a single father who passed away when he was 16 so he's pretty much on his own with relatives and his trainer he goes to the Olympics with no international experience as an 18 year old fighting 10 pounds above his natural weight sure and he and, and and with judges trying to screw them I mean, olympic judges hate americans they never want to score for us in boxing and he wins all five fights wins the gold at 20 years old comes back i said 18 but yeah 20 years old comes back he signed with a regional promoter still became you know he won the super six he cleaned out the super middleweight division he beat the light heavyweight champion if he retired now he'd be a hall of famer and yet hardly and he's a great commentator too on hbo and it's it's sad that more people don't know who he is you know and, and, and you and, mentioned and, forrest and, is and, like that too and, and, and is it because that they are just nice guys 
Are, yeah, like they have to have a bigger than life personality, as a, right? As as no, as as black or white Americans, yes, you've got to have something else. You do. Like Kelly Pavlik was proof that it's white guys too. He was a midwestern white guy from Youngstown, a great fighting town, brutal puncher. Uh, he had his own personal demons that he had to overcome. But because he was kind of an aw shucks personality, he never became a mainstream star. And he had top rank. He could have become that big star, but uh, even without being that great. But I think. Uh, Latin fighters can bank, and Asian fighters can bank on that that cultural because they, thing because they have a, their respective fan group of their <laughs> ethnic groups. So yeah, not only that, those ethnic groups are not known for having, although Latinos are getting into it now, football, basketball, and baseball. That's true. Well, baseball, yes, but football and basketball, they don't they don't have it as much, so they have less stars to be made. Europeans too. The Klitschko's. Why are they going to go where they got to compete with three other sports that hire huge guys? Sure. <laughs> Instead of that, they, they, they're in countries where soccer and boxing is it for big guys or rugby. You know, so they they're, they're they become stars be so because of that. The white fighter have a similarity with white comedians because unless exactly you don't unless you stay Actually, I'd say the black fighter and the white comedian are the best yeah. correlation there because it's it's assumed. I mean, everybody in the inside knows that there's probably more of you that have been the greatest than anybody else, mm -hmm. but no one wants to say it. Yeah. <laughs> or people make jokes about it, like you know that. that I mean, that, that in Comedy Central, I mean, every star they try to make out of these you know young guys that are with quirky looks, but they just have no life experience. But yet, Bill Burr, Jim Gaffigan, Louis C.K., it's always the white guy in his 40s that can, stand, life. that can stand the test of time. And he's not relying on anything. He just he does relatable material, and people love it. Uh, Doug Stanhope, uh, same thing. George Carlin before it. But uh, you, you have to be universal. Jim Norton, I have to put them yeah, there. No, yeah, Jim Norton, of course. And Yeah, he's, uh, he's the reason why I want to take the I show to Epics as well, because they, they do comedy and boxing also, because they got Jim Norton's last special. But, um, yeah, the, the, those guys who, who don't rely on anything like that. And I think the black fighter has has to do it through being good. You know, that's why Mayweather, he's, he, he couldn't, he's, he can't rely on the black Midwestern fan just being there for him alone because they've got a million other stars they can look up to in football, baseball, and basketball. Absolutely. And uh, so he, especially football and basketball. So he had to be damn good. And, and like Jacob and I watched his fight with Cotto over here. We're in Ladera Heights. It's a mostly affluent black neighborhood. We watched it at the IMAX theater across the, the, uh, the freeway. And it was weird to be in a room where it was like all Mayweather fans. <laughs> there weren't really any like Latino boxing fans. And if you, you grew up where I did, I mean, Mexicans ran the, the building every time you went and watched fights. And, uh, and they're knowledgeable, too, fans. It's not just rah-rah for Viva Mexico. I mean, they're, they're Mexican-American fans are knowledgeable fans, like British fans, too. But they still have their own cultural sure. thing first. They're gonna, Irish fans back east, same thing. I mean, they're going to cheer for their own first. And I think, you know, because, you know, Maybe black and white Americans have had more stars or whatever. You got to come to us with more than that. <laughs> the public isn't going to go because they look like you. You know, you have to bring it with your quality. You let's know? let's talk the last portion, um, just historically, um, some of the greats. But Mike Mike Tyson's always been one of my favorite. I met him yeah. a couple times, and uh, uh, yes, it's a physical sports but I, I think I agree with Mike it is a very intellectual event too you have to be yeah. a smart person to win it you have I, to have it like I said people don't go into careers like comedy and boxing like people always talk about oh you'd have to be an idiot I go no you have to realize it's the opposite it's because you probably grew up too intelligent for the bullshit that was going on around mm -hmm. you and I'm not saying that to toot the things that I like I'm just saying it's true I mean I know most comedians had trauma in their lives that maybe other people just let roll off their back, but it sure. really fucked with us. So we turned it into something, or we had a situation. I mean, like, we turned on a boxing for the same reason. Russell said, what got you into it? You were sitting across from us when he asked me this. He said, you know, what got you into it? I said, oh, I was the white, I said, you know, uh, watching Rocky movies, I was the white guy in the black neighborhood. He goes, yeah, I was the brown kid in the black neighborhood, you know? And if you're not an athlete or a scholar, 
you know, tr- in a traditional sense, or you feel like a loner, you feel different. You look sure. for things where the loner becomes beloved, you know? Like, uh, you know, in, in comedy, you know, I couldn't sing, I couldn't dance, I wasn't a scholar or an athlete, I wasn't a ladies' man, but I could make people laugh, you know, so I did that. And uh, I wasn't a natural athlete for anything else, but boxing, you know, I, I was natural at that. So it was kind of like those, it, it, it attracts you because you, you, you want a way out. You can't just accept the way things are. You want to see things that are differently. There's a lot of ghetto kids that probably could box but didn't think of it. They didn't want to get out that sure. way. So I think the boxing attracts more of an individual. You know, who a lot of people who had to grow up really fast. Andre Ward is a great example. Floyd Mayweather, too. Most likely poor kid. Yeah, poor kid that had to grow up really fast. A lot of teams. In urban cities. A lot of team sport athletes don't have to. I mean, a lot of them had to because they're circumstances. But team sport athletes, from the time you're 12, if you're a great running back, there's people taking care of you. (coughs) You got coaches scouting you. You got people doing your homework. You got people taking care of you. You know, I mean, you become a man a lot later. You know, essentially. I mean, some of them do coincidentally, but you really get coddled. Fighters, doesn't matter how good you are in this environment, you're not really getting coddled much until you really get to the top. And I think it attracts more that way. Uh-huh. Bands, same thing. Bands have a million places to play. You kind of don't need to be creative. You can just be a cover band. Comedians, there's no cover comedians. You have to have originality. You have to be thinking all the time and thinking about things and looking at things and going, this is fucked up. <laughs> and your mind just thinks of that. And then your default to not be depressed by the fucked up is you think of the joke. And that's where comedy comes from. And I think Tyson is a great example. You mentioned him. He was how, how does he rank all time? He's, uh, he's a lot more intelligent than people think he is. And, he's and that's, why he went, that's why he went crazy. Yeah, I mean, dumb people don't go crazy. Dumb is a, is a, is a deflection of crazy. <laughs> you have to have something going on in order for it to go wrong in the first place. And uh, so, no, and I think that's why he became more well-read. He was trying to figure out all the shit that happened to him, mm-hmm. the good and bad, and what went on in his but, life. But how, how does he rank all-time among historically speaking? Uh, heavyweights, he's definitely, he should always be in people's top 10 uh, or top 15 heavyweights of all time. Should be in everybody's top 50 or top 100 fighters of all time. Where he ranks depends on era because he fought in two different eras and looked two different ways. I mean, by the time, I, I think he also peaked at 22, and how many people do that? I mean, like, he, he, he peaked at 22, and he cleaned out a division that had talent in it. So because of what he did in the 80s, if he had retired after the Sphinx fight and never fought again, he's a Hall of Famer. But because, you know, he kind of had all the personal problems that did affect him in the ring, and because I think mentally, because he was a smart enough guy, he couldn't lose himself in the fight. Because, because when you talk to most young people... Mm-hmm. The no Mike Tyson, they just remember him from the guy from Hangover movies. Yeah, they remember him as a freak. Theater yeah, yeah. and this and that. But or, or the ear-biting guy. He's the ear-biting guy. I go, yeah, no, the reason why the whole world was watching that is because he was the most feared fighter in the world 10 years before that. You know, and... You well, know. you and I were old enough to remember, man, early nine, late 80s and 90s, well, and, early and people 90s. always think, oh, was he one of the dirtiest fighters? And, and they know Andrew Galata from that, from being dirty. What they don't realize is Galata was one of the best offensive fighters in the 90s and early 2000s. He just mentally came apart at the mm. seams. He wasn't mentally built to box. Uh, he just, you know, would, would have panic what a, what attacks. What a great and, name for boxer. You know, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> but, uh, no, and, uh, but for Mike Tyson, it was like... Uh, I, Man, it was crazy. He just yeah. knocked the fuckers out. Yeah. I mean, holy crap. I think Customato taking him in, it was like, you know, the boxer in him was cultivated, not the man. So a lot of times, that, I think that, that, that took over. But and would you you agree? If, you, if you talk to boxing fans mm-hmm. and they rank the dirtiest fighters of all time, Holyfield ranks ahead of Tyson. Is that right? Yeah, everyone thinks, oh, Holyfield got bit. No, no, Holyfield uses his head, his elbows, he hit low. I mean, he, I mean, Holyfield's kind of he's kind of a punk. I mean, he bitched about decisions that he 
thought he deserved, but he get, was the beneficiary of one of the worst decisions of all time, the, the draw against Lewis, and he tried to act <laughs> like he really won that fight. And uh, so, no, I mean, he was kind of, I mean, in fact, one of my favorite fights is when James Tony was able to, you know, sort of just outthink and out trash talk and not stop him with a body shot. I thought Holyfield was done after that. But that was one of the most satisfying wins. I thought, you know, that, that ought to shut this guy up. You know, and with this God thing, God said, I'll win in the third <clears throat> round. I was never a Holyfield fan, but the reason why Tyson bit him, which I don't excuse, is because Holyfield was headbutting him to death. I mean, you can, is that right? you can kill a guy with headbutts. And so, no, he headbutted him both times. He, he headbutted him half unconscious in their first fight. He, he said Tyson was tunneling after a headbutt in the third round for the rest of that fight. So, and, and Haseem Rockman, a bunch of guys have complained about Holyfield's head and elbows that you're fighting. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's one of the dirtiest fighters of all time. Eusebio Pedroza, Fritzy Zivic, those are other names to look up under the, you know, the, 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 the dirty dozen was the list that was made. But yeah, a lot of those guys are, you know, pretty dirty. Roberto Duran, very dirty fighter. You know, uh, Dempsey, uh, a lot of Jack Tempest, a lot of those guys were, were just very dirty because of their era. But yeah, in the modern era, Tyson is up there, but uh, Holyfield is ahead. Andrew Galata, too. And uh, Joel Casamayor. A lot of fighters are just very dirty. So if, if you have to pick, forget about the weight division stuff, five greatest boxers of all time. Not in necessarily in the order, but... Yeah, I would say that Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Robinson, and Joe Lewis belong there, definitely. Uh, as far as where the others go... Uh, Willie Pep, I think, belongs there. Featherweight champion. I've never heard of him. Smaller guy, punch couldn't crack an egg, and he dominated. Like, you know, I mean, guys wouldn't win a round against him, you mm -hmm. know, for years and years. Got in a plane crash, came back and fought seven months later and won. You know, it took a guy, Sandy Sadler, who was like a foot taller, brutal puncher, and even he lost one of their fights. So, uh, yeah, he was one of the best of all time. And um, as far as... I don't know, his number... Someone else in there. There's a lot of people that hover in that 10 to 20... That I, you know, that I can give credit to. I mean, you know, from well, why be Muhammad Ali so uh, great? Emil Griffith, the, 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 the casual listeners, like, what, why? I mean, Sugar Ray Leonard, marvelous Marvin Hagler. There's a lot of guys that fit in there that in the modern era. Jack Johnson probably belongs at the, up there too. That's the guy Russell Peters always talk about. Yeah, he said that's his finest fighter. defensive fighter of all time. The trouble was the way his defense worked wouldn't work nowadays. No, but like, I, I you don't wouldn't be allowed to. You wouldn't be allowed to clinch like that. You wouldn't be allowed to do those things. But his era was changed. when was it, Chris? Well, yeah, a hundred years ago. So, so know, how do you, how do you? How do you know the reputation of the fighter? I mean, do you, is there footage? Well, you yeah, there's, there's footage, and also you have to look at the way guys fought. There were guys who would just paw and then swing wild. Mm -hmm. And you go from that to being a guy who, who barely got touched at all. I mean, like, my, Jack Johnson used to go into gyms in his 60s. Okay, he's got a cane with him. And tell him, bring me the fastest guy you've gotten here. And he'd take these old gloves and stand in front, and these little tiny flyweights couldn't hit him. So, I mean, that guy had amazing defensive skills. Uh, Pernell Whitaker, one of the finest defensive Well, Jack Johnson was also um, very famous for having relationships with white well, women. White women back at a time when that would get in you fact, killed. In yeah. fact, his behavior had indirect connection with Elliot Spitzer, former governor of New York, because there was a law written, um, what is a law where... The Mann Act? But they repealed that, though. Uh, it's a law where... Um, Kidnapping white, basically. You can't cross state lines with a hooker. Is basically what they're trying to say. Yeah, or, or to yeah for. But I mean, it was written really loose, like for immoral purposes. It was. It was supposed to. It was a counter action for him for Jack Johnson with white women. Yeah, basically, you got a white woman on that train. White women, so yeah, you're going to take her. Passed his laws. <laughs> yeah. You can't go to inter, uh, another state with uh, so-called 
I don't know, yeah. uh, kidnap white women or... Yeah. or, or no, no, crossing of state lines for immoral purposes yeah. was the line. That way they could encompass gambling if it wasn't sex. And um, Well, they, 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 they pull that shit on Elliot Spencer, the former uh, governor of New yeah, York. That's yeah, that's crazy. Just goes to show you, in America, we still have puritanical roots. He said, you can, you can kill anybody you want, just don't get laid. That's what, that's what, that's what takes you down politically. Did, J- did Jack Johnson lose? The, yeah, the, he finally did. Well, he, I mean, back then they fought all the time, so he lost a few times on his way up. Uh, in fact, but he was a heavyweight, the, right? last, the only only two guys ever knocked him out, Jess Willard, who took his title in the 26th round. He was just tired. They had 45 hold round on, hold fight. On. Yeah. Hold on. They went, they fought 26? Back then, most fights were 20 rounds, but they used to have, like, no ending. Like, they would go, like, 17. Back then, most championship fights were 20 rounds, but they would schedule these major event fights for 45 rounds. When Jackson fought... Jo- hold on, hold when, on. No, when Johnson fought Jeffries... Hold on, hold on, hold on. 45 stop, round stop. There's actually a fight that went 45 rounds? I don't know of anyone that ever went the distance for it, but, yeah, they would schedule them that long. But also, remember, they let guys clinch for, like, minutes on end. The referee wouldn't break him. So you could rest a lot more, but still, it's exhausting. And he fought Jess Willard in Cuba in 100 degrees, and they went 26 rounds. And Johnson's winning, 37 years old. He's this winning. is like 100 years ago, right? Yeah, no, uh, almost exactly, 1915. And then he finally got tired, and Willard caught him with a right hand. The only other time Johnson was knocked out was early in his career. A guy, Joe Choinsky, who was known for his defense, knocked him out <clears throat> when he was young and said, look, I know you're big and strong, but a guy that moves like you should never have to take a shot. And back then, boxing was illegal, and after the fight, they got arrested. And they were locked up. For well, why was it illegal? Just because it was illegal back then. There, you, you were, it was uh, uh, laws about rioting. It was considered legalized assault. So that, a lot of states, it was outlawed. It was brand new. Interesting, but they, like could, MMA but, but, but they could send you to World War One and World War II exactly. and get killed for your yeah, country. Yeah, get killed for your country, yeah. <clears throat> like, well, MMA in New York, you know, for the longest time. It, it may still be illegal there. I don't know. But uh, they... Uh, well, what's what's Jack Johnson's specialty? Like, what, what defense. Made him so he was known for defense and a really hard right hand. Of a heavyweight, okay. Yeah, he's a heavyweight. Yeah. What, okay, Joe Lewis. You say he was in top five. What, what made him so good? Time. Uh, well, no, everything. He was a great all-around fighter. Timing and uh, it, it, I mean, you could if you made a mistake, you paid for it. You know, to, you could you had to fight the perfect fight against the guy pretty much to get anything. And just an overall, I mean, great speed, power, great like mental toughness in the ring and also came along at a time when the belt was changing hands a lot and there weren't a lot of great fighters he, he, like Tyson like Tyson in the 80s was Lewis in the 30s he cleaned house I and, and he, he beat everybody and, and left no doubt of who's the, who's the man and when he was given rematches with guys that came close to beating him he would knock them out so that, that was the, and Joe Lewis wasn't much uh, big on trash talking was he he didn't strike no, me like I, that guy he was bred to be the antithesis of Jack Johnson he was trained by, the, by guys that said like look they never let another black man have a shot at a title for 22 years. You're going to be, and he coincidentally was, personality-wise, the opposite anyway. He said, no pictures taken with white women. When you knock out an opponent, don't smile. He said, you know, and for the love of God, you know, don't, <laughs> like, you know, don't, don't be seen out in public at, at night without an escort. Mm-hmm. Never be, I mean, they just never let him get caught literally with his pants down. I see. You know, it's not like he wasn't screwing around with some women, white women too, but Back, but back then, the paparazzi wasn't in full force, and everything was very hidden. He wasn't flamboyant the way Johnson was. And so uh, that uh, kind of made... And also, he came along at the time of World War II, and he served in the war. And he, I didn't know that. Yeah, or he, he was d- doing exhibitions, but he kind of... It's very sad, because at, at the tail end there, but I think he was having money problem. Yeah, well, so the, the, the IRS, the, the IRS Vegas, gouged right? him. I mean, it, it was tragic what they did to him, I mean, but it was definitely racist 
than what they did. But but even then, because of that, it just made him more of a hero. Also, he was friends with Frank Sinatra, who would bring him places, uh, you know, so that, that kind of made him like this American you know, icon. He was the first black... Well, if Frank Sinatra said, you're a good guy, you're a good <laughs> guy. <laughs> well, also, it, uh, what happened is a lot of people think, um, you know, that Jackie Robinson broke all these doors down. And in baseball, it's true, but the truth of the matter is the first black athlete to become a crossover star in America and become beloved was Joe Lewis. And he is that it, right? He did it 10 years before Jackie Robinson did, you know. And I think he had a right personality, too. Yeah, and they both did. They could, yeah. you know, kind of like things would bother him. They would stew on it. Yeah, bo both those guys had health problems in their later years. So if you ask me, they stuffed a lot of <laughs> anger down. But um, yeah, Muhammad like, Ali, what, what was his, his strength as a fighter? Ali, mm -hmm. tremendous foot speed for a heavyweight. To how fast that guy moved! Oh, I that up. Sorry, we were interrupted by a salesperson in the front <laughs> door. So um, uh, quick, Muhammad Ali, and then we'll yeah, no, his, his foot speed. Most heavyweights were slow and plodding, and Ali came along during like the height of a talent explosion. There were a ton of great heavyweights at his time, and he still beat virtually all of them. So, um, in fact, didn't even you know, nobody ever really proved themselves superior to him, except uh, Kenny Norton just had the right style, I think, to beat him. But um, and Frazier, you know, held it even with him for a lot of years. But again, that was during an era where it was the best era in heavyweight history, and his foot speed was just incredible. You know, he could move around the ring, and in fact, that's what Norton was trained to do to mm -hmm. stay with him. He said, "Don't try to lead; he'll counter you, silly. Don't try to counter him; he's already gone. You've got to punch while he's punching." Yeah, that's the only time you'll get anything off. You know, Chris, I, I have to say, this is the part that really, uh, in the few, uh, whichever matches I watch, I do enjoy them, especially the big one like tomorrow. Yeah. What makes me sad about boxing, like sometimes these guys should know when to stop. That's the hard part, isn't yeah, it? Well, Mosley. Mosley's making me sad about that now. He, he's going on too long. He's going down to Australia to fight somebody. He's starting to slur a little bit, and I just, eh, I really would wish he would Because stop. he's, what, late 40s, right? No, early 40s. Early 40s. Bernard Hopkins is late 40s, but you know what? He didn't really start fighting until he was in his mid-20s. His first few years, he was scoring mostly first-round knockouts. By the time he was a distance fighter, he did it with very good defense. And um, so he doesn't have a lot of miles. Taken, on him. He doesn't have a lot of miles in the odometer, and he took time off as he went up. And uh, no, it doesn't mean he isn't getting caught, and he doesn't need to still worry. I mean, he still gets, and he's got a very good chin, fortunately. But no, I mean, he's forty-eight, and he's taking on the right fights, and he's you know he's picking his spots. But yeah, I mean, maybe he's proven. How a could point. you be fighting a forty-eight? That's Archie incredible. Moore. Archie Moore did it way back. He fought till he was almost fifty, but Ali finally knocked him out and made him quit. But. Uh, and uh, Roberto Duran fought till he was 52. There are some guys that are just built for it. Saul Mamby fought till he was almost 60. He was a world champion back in the day. But, uh, yeah, th there are some of those guys that just are built for it and can do it. But you know, there are other guys who are shot in their late 20s. You know, you just need to know what you are. And I think, that, and also just at what point does it not become, is there no point in it? You know, like for Mosley, there's no point in him continuing. Vitaly Klitschko is 42, and he's dominant, but it's like, and he's already running for office again in, in the Ukraine, kind of like Pacquiao runs for office. It's like, dude, you, know, you haven't fought in a year. You're injured. You're holding up the belt. Just step aside, man. Clear the lane. You know, there's nothing more for you to do. It's time to go. Okay, too quick then. To go okay, minute. sure. I make, uh, I make Ver uh, Vernon Forrest and, of course, Lennox Lewis in, in, addition, in addition to Mike Tyson. So <laughs> can you mention... The strength of uh, our good friend Vernon. He uh, was a wonderful person, man. I, he, he, he was really, yeah, he was a very good all-around fighter. I mean, he had tenacity in the ring. A great, great jab, great right hand. I mean, <laughs> my, my aura came back to the corner. He won the fight two rounds later, but he said like, "What? 
It's, it's, I forget how he, I don't know how to say it in Spanish, but he said something really fast, and the translator goes, that black guy hits hard. Yeah. <laughs> he, you know, he just, he well, had, if you're using that M word just now, it means something else, but. Uh, you know, but the translator said that yeah. black guy. I go, no, I think he said mayate, which is derogatory in yeah. Spanish language. Like, but um, no, he, or, 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 or something like that. He's, he's, he translated it to black guy, but. Um, but no, his his strengths were I, I, overall I, overall offensive, uh, you know, ability. I thought the only time he ever was ever hurt was uh, against Mayorga. You know, great boxing ability, patience. He would, you know, wait he to beat figure you Shane out. Mosley twice, right? Yeah, exactly. And figuring guys out. I mean, he said it the best after the first Mosley when he goes, "You guys think speed is everything because of how fast he is, but I know how to fight speed." So if you're taller than guy, you use your jab, neutralizes his speed. You know, to use timing. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know, that was great that he said that. And he took the time to turn to the camera, made sure young fighters were paying attention. Speed is not everything. And that kind of, you know. I, I like that he stood up for that. You know? And he was such a sweet guy. And even to me, I thought, because he's a, such a nice, decent human being, a family man, that he can't play that bad guy role. I think it, yeah. it probably didn't help him um, marketing and money-wise. But boy, was he a nice guy. And in addition to, I saw his fist. Yeah. His fist is the same thing like when Ichiro Suzuki played for New York Yankees and formerly <laughs> Mariners, treat his bat. Man, it, it's a... A weapon, man. His hand. Well, that's like, why I quit boxing. I've got these small hands. I can't. I can't do it. But yeah, your hands are bigger than mine. And yeah, yeah. When I shook his hands, like, wow, that's a real man's hand. Yeah, yeah no. Like, I mean, these guys have these giant meat hook hands. Now it helped me in one way. Mine never broke. But there have been fighters. Uh, Jake LaMotta famously made fun of his small hands in his in, his, in the movie. Uh, Raging Bull. Um, I've known a couple of friends. James Tony doesn't have like giant. By the way, Doug Sandhoff made a mention about Jake uh, LaMotta in his last new special. Uh, did it, which one the the latest one that they just released in Netflix like two weeks ago? Oh, okay, I haven't seen that one. Um, he talked about Jake Lamana and his um, crazy wife, I guess. Oh yeah, oh okay, yeah, no, I <laughs> but, gotta, yeah just yeah, to like talk about I gotta connection between yeah, boxer and a com comic. And but, he's uh, one of my favorites, Stanhope, one of the best doing it, I think. So, so Vernon Force, and finally, I, I met Lennox Lewis through Russell Peters, and man, very nice guy, very sweet. <laughs> But his young son, this is like six years ago, was misbehaving, mm -hmm. and Lennox Lewis made his face. And you know, he's got a dreadlock hair. Yeah. So you know how in mythology you're not supposed to look at Medusa? <laughs> because he'll turn stone. Like, I, I was terrified. And he yeah. wasn't even looking at me, but this intense displeasure by his young yeah. son. Because his son would keep jumping and stare, or keep jumping from the first step, second, and third. And the Lennox keeps saying, Boy, stop doing it. And the last time he said, Boy, stop that. And he yeah. made this look. I had to look away. I, <laughs> I, I couldn't even look at that gaze. It, yeah. it really scared me. Like, yeah. Well, you had that one punch, and I'm dead. Yeah, that steely eyed look before fights, he would have that oh look. Oh, my and God. Stare guys down. In, in the McCall oh rematch God. and the Rockman rematch, he, he yeah. had that look in his face. Like, he was just a, a rare moment of anger for him. And he was very, like, especially that, well, the McCall fight, he. <laughs> Gave him a nervous breakdown, but I mean, in, in the Rockman fight when he knocked him out, that's the happiest I've ever seen him. Even happier than the Tyson. Fight. I mean, women, a close friend of mine, or my mom, mom, aunt, whatever. When I was a kid, when they yeah. when they make uh, that gaze, it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> but um, yeah, he uh, that was terrifying. Well, we we have to end here. Um, I'd like to talk to more, and I'm gonna make sure this didn't air some. Monday, Monday. Okay. and then uh, so your prediction is Floyd Mayweather by decision yeah no, if you want to hear boxing related jokes too on, on Twitter I am the writer of Boxing Roasted that's uh, spelled out like that B-O-X-I-N-G-R-O-A-S-T-E-D uh, dot com at, no no oh. at, at Twitter okay. I, I, at my Twitter handle Boxing Roasted on my Twitter handle Chris Strait uh, for normal stuff for jokes for comedy stuff 
uh, is C-H-R-I-S-S-T-R-A-I-T. And um, also, I've got a CD on iTunes that's out now. Uh, it has been out for about a year. Uh, it's called Hitting the Wall. It's a Pink Floyd parody, the brick wall and everything. It's on uh, iTunes and Amazon. If you put in Chris Strait, Hitting the Wall, uh, it's only eight ninety nine for the whole CD. So Yeah, I, I, I really want to see you and a bunch of comedians. It would be just fun to see a forum where a bunch of comedians and hopefully one guest a week or something where you have yeah. a boxer. Yeah. And uh, having a guy like you, uh, Ruben Paul, Russell Peters, and you know maybe even if, if you oh, guys are lucky enough to have Louis C.K. Louis C.K. Gary, Jacob, Jacob Daryl, yeah. Adam, all those guys. Yeah. It's really funny even talking to you because just by slowly listening to you guys, I'm picking up, but I am really are more NFL football, the baseball. Sport, yeah. and, well, I, like to, but, I got I to get around them because they start talking about guys. I'm like, man, it's been two years. All the names have changed. I got to go back and watch But it's, it's, it's incredibly fun talking to Russell Peters. And if you're a fan of uh, Chris and Jacob and uh, Russell Peters of the world, you know they don't have a lot of time for everyone but if you just happen to know a little bit of boxing you could have a quality conversation <laughs> yeah. Russell you Russell love to make talk sure you have two hours because we'll chew your ear off you talk he loves hip hop but boxing is yeah. his real love and yeah. this is no joke he loved boxing yeah and um Oh, no, I watched yeah, fight at his house. In, the, in fact, in he knocked theater. some guy out from Laugh Factory a couple years oh, ago. Really? Yeah. Some trash talking motherfucker. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, um, please um, follow Chris Strait's Twitter account and um, buy his CD through uh, iTunes as well. And are you going on tour anytime soon? Uh, Actually, no, I'm, I kind of took a break. I was in, on road, road a lot this year. I, I kind of cleared house. I'm working on uh, trying to get that boxing show and my uh, CD stuff. So I'm, I'm in town mostly. If you're in the LA area, uh, you know, check out my, my schedule at chrisstraight.com. But, um, you know, always hit me up. I'll let you, I'll, I'll send a link to it. Uh, but mostly, no, I'm, I'm in town for a while. I think I'm in New York in I, December, I hope but for you, the most I, part, I'm in town. I really want you to start the boxing podcast That'd and hopefully a TV show. Uh, and uh, that's about it. And uh, please download uh, Yoshi app. I only have it for iPhones. And I've, I, I know I keep asking people to donate a little bit of money because I'm, I've been unemployed for so long. But if you can... <laughs> Uh, go yoshiden.com and buy t-shirts so I could pay for the expense for the show but anyway thanks for listening to the show this is uh, all boxing talk and uh, I hope uh, people enjoyed it but Chris if you have a question for Chris tweet to him email him uh, buy his city and uh, I'm hoping to have him back again and talk more about boxing thanks for listening to the show thanks Chris thanks a lot for having me